Hey, this is Chaplain Tony Repic here. Just want to remind you that this podcast does not imply any endorsement of any commercial organization, product, or belief system. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back again to the Balance Podcast. This is Chaplain Tony Repic out of Biddle Air National Guard Base. I'm really excited that you're here. Hopefully uh, tuning in, maybe for the first time, maybe this is your third, fourth episode, but I'm glad you're here. Uh, i got a really awesome guest in today, but before I get to her, I want to just give everybody just a heads up. Uh, the podcast, why does this thing exist? What is this all about? Well, mind, body, spirit, social, physical, that, that's the four components of Airmen Comprehensive Fitness, and we're trying to help you as an airman, your family members, civilians that work with uh, the Air Force, the DOD in general to be healthy in life, successful at work. And so we bring these awesome topics to you, experts, if you will, in certain different fields, that we can give you tools so you can build your toolkit and you can build this life plan that I'm going to get to in a future podcast. But today, um, as I said, I'm excited about this guest. Uh, Her name is Lauren Sheehan. She's the president at a company that I have a tremendous affinity for. I used to work there for nine years. The company's name is Softwareware. Lauren was a boss. Uh, She's been a friend, a mentor. I've learned so much from her. And today she's going to share some leadership principles, some some challenges through the pandemic, some new working habits, if you will, that her and her company have adopted and just some resources she's going to provide you. So again, you could be successful in your job. You could be successful in life. And so um, without further ado, I'm going to introduce Lauren Sheehan to you. Lauren, Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself, and thanks for being here today. Yeah, Tony, it's really nice to see you again, Um, and I always um, enjoy working with you and talking to you, so I'm really proud to to be here, and and thanks for inviting me. my company, uh, Softwareware, was founded in 1981. We're located right in um, Fort Washington, Pennsylvania, so we're right off of the Turnpike, and we are a uh, software company that is... uh, providing one of the top marketplace solutions for nonprofit organizations that need to track donations, want a technology to um, help with their fundraising efforts. So we have just about, um, maybe about 175 employees. Um, We've recently transferred to a remote work remote first workplace, um, which is uh, something that I think we'll probably get into today. Um, And that was a big transition for us. So I think that, you know, our culture was something that really has set us apart, something, you know, that you got to experience firsthand. We've won uh, a lot of awards for our culture. um, And actually, just a couple weeks ago, we found out that we've made uh, the top Philly workplace list for the Inquirer for now the 10th time in 13 years. So we've done a lot to build um, a really strong culture at Softwareware. We um, um, are are proud of the solutions that we offer for to our clients and we've got great people working there that are literally uh, you know our our time and energy and talents are all spent um, helping organizations that are literally making the world a better place. So it's a fantastic way to earn a paycheck. You know, Absolutely. Uh, I've got a great job and yeah. really feel fortunate. And, and I'm biased here because I work the software. I love yeah. I love software. When we loved you. <laughs> and the only the I always said the only way I was ever going to leave if I had an opportunity to be full time military and and that opportunity came to me. And so yeah. here here I am as the chaplain here at the one eleventh rate. Literally, like in front of Fort Washington or uh, where you guys are headquartered out of, yeah. 
And I've appreciated, you know, your leadership over the years, your friendship, and just I still have connections, as you know, with some mm-hmm. some of the workers over there. But yeah. uh, so, how long have you been there? And d- d- tell me quickly about where you started. And so you're president now, but where where'd you start? And- I, yeah. Um, so I've been there for thirteen and a half years, actually. Um, I never thought. Man, if I think back to my original interview, I had no idea that it was going to develop into this career that lasted, you know, well over a decade and is going to probably hit two, (laughs) if I'm lucky. So um, I started as the client relations manager, managing a small team, three people that were focused on uh, helping our customers with any issues, uh, service issues, product issues, um, and uh, one member of the team was doing, you know, communication, so in charge of writing uh, to, to our customers and maintaining like technical documentation. So again, this is a tech company. We had, let's say, uh, back then we had an actual instruction manual, a, a user manual for that was shipped out <laughs> with the little disc that contained Donor Perfect, which is, you know, our, our product. So it was a really small team managing three people. Um, I've, I, um, uh, when the technical support manager at the time was retiring, I was asked to take over that team. Um, so I went from uh, managing eight people to like 48 people basically oh, overnight. Um, had a few more promotions, did a good job with that team. You were part of, yeah. of that team. We, we really just rebuilt that team and totally, I feel like, revolutionized <laughs> what how our teams were helping our customers and putting in um, some good systems about uh, how to keep the team accountable, what the expectations were, you were a big part of that. So just really laying the groundwork for people to be able to succeed there, both the team members and our customers. Um, Then I was promoted a few more times, and in um, middle of last year, found out that the co-founder, Nathan Rellis of the company, um, was planning to retire, and he basically hand-selected me uh, right to, take, to, take yes. his, to take on his role. And he's, he's been a mentor to me for many, many years, um, probably one of the best human beings that I've ever had the pleasure of meeting and knowing. And um, so now... I, I agree with you on that. Yeah, he's he's great. Um, and so now uh, I'm leading the, the company with my partner, Doug Schoenberg, who's the CEO, and Eric Foster, who's the CRO. And we're kind of like the... We have a, a great leadership team that extends way beyond that. But it, it's pretty cool to... Um, be at the helm um, and taking on these new challenges, especially during such a challenging time with, with mm. business and society, all these yeah. things going on. There's there's no manual for this. There's That's no right. instruction book. Right. Right. We're, we're going to get into some of that today. So okay. I appreciate you sharing your story. So you manage a team of three, and now you're the president of the company in 13 years. And just yeah. seen, you've seen all kinds of different things take place. Yeah. Well, well, one of the things that um, – that, that, you, that just struck me as you were sharing this is this idea of trans, transforming, seeing transformation take place. And you talked about teamwork and, and effort. And can you just share a little bit about, so you mentioned customer service because, you know, they're a large part of uh, the military. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of roles that yeah. we're customer service people. We take care of people. We take care of uh, a product that we have to produce for our members so they could do their job. And so folks that are listening, they are really like that, 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 that term piques their interest. Okay. 
Can you talk a little bit about what was successful about some of that transition that you went through that you saw in your teams or some of the mentality of how things were approached? Sure. Um, good question. Um, people, in order for, for anyone to be successful at their job, they need to have clear expectations about what is expected. And setting, spending some time thinking about what um, is required for different levels of performance and talking about that really early in, in their career. So, you yeah. know, we, that's part of your first two weeks at Softwareware is, hey, we're going to lay this all out for you. You know, you, you're just starting. You're going to be overwhelmed, you know, with information. You're, you're learning a new job. That, that's, a, that's a huge transition that you're taking on. But um, it's never too early to set your sights for um, maybe what um, the, next, the next chapter in your career. So if you want to excel right out of the gate, you know, go read what it's going to take to be at that level. So we can actually provide that to them, right? So this is unsatisfactory performance. Here's where we're at for um, meeting expectations. And then there's a couple levels above that. So, um, and and certain um, aspects of, of how... Um, we're managing performance are hard skills, right? You're not going to be able to be an expert in how donor perfect works in your first couple of yeah. weeks, but you can exhibit, start working on what an A plus attitude looks like, what hmm. A plus teamwork looks mm -hmm. like, and you know those soft skills matter so so much, um, and um, it's it's really important, and just you know. Hiring the right people um, is also a big part of, I think, what has um, been a big part of software success. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, um, I'm almost looking for um, some of those innate qualities more than I'm looking for technical expertise or, yeah. or uh, savvy. You know, it's... What type of work ethic do you have? Um, how how do you treat other people? Hmm. Um, are you curious? Do you want to learn more? Do you want do do you do you um, have um, the heart <laughs> and and the desire to to achieve more and to do to do right by by your customers? And yeah. so. Um, that was a really long-winded answer. No, I think setting good. expectations yeah. is really important. And so a lot of that wasn't clear. Um, I think uh, it, it, that that's something that I think that we, we brought to the table, is yeah. just setting those really clear expectations. Um, holding people accountable. Um, and, you know, you can't hold anyone accountable unless those what, what you're looking for is known and understood and just, like, out there. Yeah. Um, Trying to think, there's there's probably some other things, but that's what comes to mind yeah. right out of right out of the. Well, the, and, the and I think some of the things you're even you're mentioning, they seem common, like they're common sense, but they're <laughs> overlooked. They really are, because someone says, "I have this hard skill. I can code, or I can pick up 38 calls in seven minutes, or whatever." Right, yeah. and sometimes that gets overlooked because. Um, they're trying to one not one up, but they're trying to sh sh give give an edge to themselves, mm -hmm. right? 
And while that might work at times, there's nothing better than having someone that has the right attitude, heart, and uh, team team mindset mm-hmm. to want to accomplish that the bigger purpose and mission. Yeah. Because if, if we're all moving together, we're all have we'll all have opportunity. It's yeah. when that one person tries to jump out in front of everybody and steamrolls people behind them. Yeah. So the expectation piece is huge. And, and I, so I have a question for you. It sounds like, too, and I remember kind of doing this early on, and I think software probably is still doing this. Expectations aren't just set from your leadership down, but there's also from the bottom up as well. There's expectations about maybe what someone's coming in to do and what they want and whether or not you can meet them as a company is a different story, but it's good to have that open dialogue and conversation. Sure, right? sure. Yeah. So I don't know if this is exactly to, to your point, but when we're interviewing um, candidates, I always stress that this has to be a two-way match. Mm-hmm. And I'm asking them... Tell me, what, what are three things that you're looking for yeah, in a job? Yeah, that's good. They're interviewing, too, basically. It, it is. And I, I yeah. give them this whole speech in the beginning, and I say, you know, you might think that you're in the hot seat here, and certainly we're evaluating you as a candidate, but just as much you should be evaluating us because the reality is is that we spend most of our waking hours at work, and yeah. if you have happy employees... They're going to take care of each other. They're going to take care of the customers. And so you should be evaluating a potential employer just as much as they're evaluating you. So those interviews really are a two-way, a two-way conversation, two-way dialogue, and two-way uh, evaluation. Yeah. Um, one thing that uh, your earlier commentary just made me remember um, is uh, when you're talking about transforming the mindset of the team and what was required for our team to continue to be successful in new ways was the mentality of um, sharing knowledge. Mm. And we used to tell a story about a, um, a member of the team who was really, really good at one area of the program. And I'll just say it you know, again, for your for your listeners, we'll just say, we'll, we'll just make up a name. It was feature ABC, right? They were really, really good at it. And every time a call would come in, they would, you know, anytime that anyone had a question about feature ABC, they were on it. They would take over other people's work if it was related to that. And they thought that their expertise in that area was... Um, the value that they brought to the company. Mm-hmm. But it was really like putting cement in their shoes because that was such a unhelpful way to be. They weren't sharing their knowledge. And what I, when we were putting those expectations in place, we were saying, we want you to um, share that knowledge. And so I don't want you to take over every single case or do all of this work. I want you to make other people as knowledgeable as you are about feature ABC. And that is the true sign of success. So a rising tide lifts all boats. And again, a lot of this stuff, Tony, it probably sounds like, you know, once you hear it, it's like, oh, well, that's obvious. None of this is rocket science. It's just sometimes we need those reminders and refreshers because mm-hmm. you just get those, you know, um, you know, I don't know, the, the blinders on yeah. and you're just like moving you, through you, this. You know what it is? It reminds me, I mean, even here at, at the Middle Air 
base, want to lift and tackling. I know there are, because I'm here full time, yeah. there are certain positions that are siloed and there's only, oh, this person, they're not here, they're on vacation. And we ran into that software. Oh, well, that person's on vacation. We can't help them out with this area of the, of the product right now. Yeah. Or somebody here can't get into a system because only they have access. And sometimes we look at that as, like you said, like, oh, that's great for me. Um, it keeps me employed or whatever. But that's really a bad mindset. It really is. Because you created a fail, a, a, a point of failure when you're not able or capable of being there. So you can't take vacation. Right. You can't rest whenever you need to rest. Right. You know, you can't have a weekend off because if something crashes, they got to call you. Yeah. This is why you share that knowledge. You build collaborative teams mm-hmm. to trust each other mm-hmm. and Break silos. So I think what we're saying is some of this is common sense, but I think the issue is people don't know how to do it. Yeah. Leaders don't know where to start. Yeah. They, they, they don't want to step on someone's toes by saying, you no longer are the guru. Because that comes across as, you don't value me anymore. So yeah. it's, it's trying to reframe the, the, the mindset of individuals, which is very difficult to do. Yeah. But you have to do it sometimes. Yeah, you have to do it. And, and if, if you've you done that. In, you know, yeah. I mean, again, we put it in black and white and said, you know, the the uh, the uh, highest level rating that you could get for technical knowledge is that you're doing training sessions and you're helping and coaching yeah, um, on this stuff. So, again, it, it you can make it happen sometimes if you just write it down. Exactly. Sure. I mean, again, that's a simple example, yeah. but it, it helps. Um, uh, that, that's certainly one way to do it. Um, some of what you're... What you're saying here also reminds me of um, a lesson that I learned from a classic business book, Seven, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, about the mentality of abundance rather than the mentality of scarcity. Mm. So a lot of times that was one of the first... I don't know, leadership books that I read um, and one of the lessons that I've carried with me all this time because I think Hmm. a lot of times you get in this mindset where the pie is only so big. So if somebody has a big old piece of that pie it me or gets a big old piece of that pie, there's less for me. Mm -hmm. Wrong way to be thinking. That pie is as big as you want it to be. Grow the pie, yeah. Grow (laughs) the pie, grow the pie. And so... um, you know, if you're a leader with that scarcity mindset, you're you have a hard time sharing recognition. You have a hard time mm-hmm. giving credit, and you have a hard time in truly celebrating the success of others because that success is one that you didn't get, and there's some issues there. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So, if you guys haven't read that that book before, um, it's it's an old classic. I think it, it's been a while since I've read it, but I think it probably still holds up quite a bit. And that was something else that I, I, I wanted to share as we were, as I'm thinking about that, that particular uh, team member who, um, you know, we were able to work with them to, to, to change the way of thinking. And, yeah. and so if you wanted to read more about it, you could do, do so in that book. It is a great book. It's actually on my, on my bookshelf. Is it? Okay. It is, yeah. It is it's a great book, yeah. Good. You're sharing resources, which is part of this, uh, part of our time together as well. So, for, you know, for those of you that are listening, there's a resource for you. You know, so as we transition, I appreciate you sharing that because I think I think folks that are in leadership need to hear this over again. Yeah. I think individuals that are just breaking into their careers need to hear this. I think seasoned individuals need to reshape this. And here's why. You mentioned something that I want to segue into. I think it's a perfect segue. You said... We spend more of our time at work than anywhere else. And if you look at your hours in a, in a week, mm-hmm. a lot of our effort is 
on our work. Mm -hmm. Something has changed over the past couple of years. We are no longer physically in a place now. Mm -hmm. We're doing this remote work thing. Now, as we segue into this, I know you and I have already had this discussion, but I mentioned to you as well as the, the, the military, the government, um, other businesses have struggled with how does, it, how does this work? Yeah. Uh, how do we trust people in a remote environment? Should this be a long-term solution or is this a temporary band-aid until the pandemic, whenever that's going to end? If it has it ended, I'm not even sure. But has it ended, right? Yeah. But it seems like it's not going anywhere and software has pivoted and done something pretty unique. And mm -hmm. I hope you share that with us now. Yeah. Just about how you, you guys worked through this and where the company's headed with regard to remote work. Yeah, sure. Um, so for, we, we packed up our bags uh, March 12th of 2020 and we were told we're going to go work from home for the next two weeks. Two weeks, huh? <laughs> two weeks, two weeks. And that two weeks has turned into well over two years. Um, you know, I happen to be at the office yesterday. There's still some people that are there. We, we still have a couple of years on, on our lease, so the office is open and available. But uh, 99.9 percent .9 of um, people are are working from home and we've been able to achieve some pretty impressive business results hmm. record-breaking business results so you know we um, are being successful working from home so our leadership team said you know there really is no reason um, to call everybody back to the office and listen all different companies are trying to make these these decisions and we see it playing out Google and Spotify and all of these different uh, you know fortune 500 companies hmm. are um, trying to figure this out and they're you know if we weren't achieving such great business results, we probably wouldn't have made the decision yeah, that we did. That makes sense. But but we did. So so we're so so we're fortunate there. Um, the biggest challenge for us was how we're and and still is because we haven't figured it all out, Tony. Sure. Um, is what the culture of the company looks like? Because I was telling you know listeners that culture was really important, and a lot of that was because we shared the same physical space with one another and we were able to connect with our employees and do fun things and have team building events and that that you know we haven't seen some of our coworkers in person for over 2 years now so um it was the fall of 2021 where we had an executive meeting offsite um we were all together and we said you know what um with the um we'll say recruitment, hiring, market, like that is what workers are demanding. They want that flexibility mm. to be able to work from home. So if we don't make this move, we could be at a disadvantage from a hiring and recruiting standpoint. Um, so it it's still, you know, we, we made that announcement less than six months ago. And so, you know, as I was telling you earlier, for the most of the last two years, we were just making it up as we go, and we were just in survival mode. Like, and it was like, oh, we're we're gonna come, we're gonna come back eventually. So we're not gonna go through our policies and change too many things in a permanent way. Um, but now that we have made the decision, we need to go through and and do that. So mm -hmm. like, you know, Julie and I are going through the employee handbook and making changes, saying we don't need to talk about you know, pets at work or children yeah. at work, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't apply anymore. Yeah. Um, but I think that 
leaders in particular have struggled when it comes to trusting their employees. Hmm. Um, and, you know, we have lost some of the uh, ways that we used to stay connected. So we have to kind of find new ways to, to, to do that. Um, and when we we brought the whole I brought the whole leadership team together at the beginning of April and we did a little exercise where we just ran through certain scenarios and I asked the members of the audience to you know raise their hand if they if they agree and many of the uh, questions we were split half and half hmm. you know should sh should an employee be able to throw a load of laundry in sometime during their workday. Half said yes, half said no. Wow, really? And it's crazy because if we think about it, in the office, there was downtime built in. Of course. You know, you're going to get a cup of coffee. You're going to talk to a coworker about, you know, a, a social thing, yeah. you know, a show that you watched last right, night. And right. so we would we would walk down to Wawa to get a, get a nice coffee or, um, you know, get lunch. So it's... Um, it makes it even more important to be clear about expectations and the outcomes that yep. you want, be communicating well and often about what the deadlines are, more frequent check-ins because, you know, you and, and they have to be um, more planned out because you can't count on running somebody, you can't count on running into somebody at the water yeah, fountain exactly. or something like right, that, right. at the water cooler. So you have to be deliberate about it. Um, and I think, geez, there's so much I could go into here, Tony, but like there's also additional responsibilities and challenges that come with what's happened with a lot of people's mental health over the past sure. two and a half years. And so, you know, I think being a leader at Software and probably many other places, you're more than just a boss and a supervisor, mm -hmm. you're a coach. Sometimes maybe a therapist, maybe you're a friend. All of these things and the, the role that you need to fill now is different than it was two and a half years ago. Um, so checking in for people on people's well-being um, is, is really, really important now. Um, the flip side of that, right, There's and there's almost two edges to the sword, some managers feeling like, hey, if they can't see the work that their employees are doing, None of it's happening. Yeah, they're not working. They're not working. It's not true, though. Not yeah. true. And the other side is because the boundary between home and work is not really there anymore. We've got people that are working way more than they should. Yeah. And there's they're not taking the time to reset and recharge. And... You know, so it's two different kind of, yeah, kind of sure. two different two different um, uh, sides of the spectrum there. So, yeah, we do we do certainly don't have it all figured out, but we um, just some principles that that might be helpful. You know, the importance of communication has just skyrocketed, mm. and so we started doing pretty regular video updates from members of the leadership team that are able to be shared out either through email. We happen to use Slack in our office as I was going to ask you that a, you're using Slack now, uh, yeah, yeah, an in-office messaging tool. Yep. 
Um, so just being able to see somebody's face and hear, you know, the tone of their voice, because so much gets lost in written communication. So, you know, it's very easy to just shoot off a message or send an email, but, you know, you have to have that personal connection yeah. and try to maintain that. Um, you know, I don't know if you, you've heard the phrase keyboard courage, but... Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, we've, we did, we were doing some That's exercises funny. with some members of the leadership team where some, some things were getting lost in translation um, when we were writing it and the intent wasn't clear or was being misinterpreted. I had them read their written words out to each other and they never... They came to the realization that if they were actually having a conversation, they never would, never would have happen. said it that yeah, way. Right, that right. miscommunication never would have happened. Sure. And, you know, you just, you, you take, you can't take some, don't take shortcuts with communication. So communication is really important. Hey, this is a great place to stop here on this two-part podcast. Uh, tune into the second part of the Balance Podcast.